Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What do purpose, courage, faith, and will have to do with the healing journey? What's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. Today's episode, I'm joined with my friend, Brandon Smith, who is also known as the workplace therapist, who is incredible at helping us decipher and understanding the power of those four words, purpose, faith, courage, and will. And in this conversation, Brandon's going to talk about his own journey and story from having a brother who took his own life to developing a stutter in middle school to now becoming a, a world-renowned leadership coach 
and advocate for giving people tools to create massive change in their life. And we're going to talk about everything ranging from what it really means to take the first step in this healing journey to talking about comfort and pushing ourselves and whether or not David Goggins is right in his assumption of the 40% rule and, and a lot of other beautiful things. And this conversation was really fun to have with Brandon. I've actually been on his podcast before. If you check out the Workplace Therapist. Um, so it was an honor to have him come over to Think Unbroken and share his knowledge, his vision, his information, because the, the truth about it is we all need more tools. One of the best things that I get personally out of this show is being able to learn from people who are incredibly intelligent, who are vastly mature of age and time and experience of me. But most importantly, people have actually created massive change in their own personal life and the world. And, and I would say Brandon is 100% one of those people. And so if you're in your life right now and you feel stuck, you feel complacent, you feel comfortable, you feel like you just cannot seem to get to what's next in your life, hang out with us today. Listen to Brandon. I promise you this episode is going to give you some incredibly practical tools that are going to help you go from where you are to where you want to be. And without further ado, my friends, let's get into the show. We'll be right back to the show, but before we do, I'm going to take a moment and tell you about my new book, Unbroken Man, A Man's Guide to Being the Hero of Their Own Story. I sat down a few months ago and realized that there are so many men in the world that need guidance, that need support, that need to learn about trauma, removing themselves from toxic masculinity, breaking down the barriers to vulnerability, getting unstuck, and ultimately learning the tools to become the hero of their own story. Unbroken Man is available for pre-order right now if you go to men.thinkunbroken.com where you'll also get access to over $1,000 in bonuses, including the six-week in-depth trauma healing coaching app, which you'll get instant access to. I created Unbroken Man to be accessible to everyone around the world, but it is written for men from the guise of a man, and I hope that you will find it to be a practical tool on your healing journey in the same way that thousands of men around the world have. So check out men.thinkunbroken.com to pre-order, and until next time, be unbroken. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest and friend, Brandon Smith, the Workplace Therapist. Brandon, my friend, how are you today? What is going on in your world? Michael, I'm great today. I'm, I'm thrilled it's a Friday. It's the end of the end of the week, an exciting week. I uh, got to do a lot more uh, in-person kinds of things this week, which was new for me. Uh, I, was, I was a little rusty, I got to be honest. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, like same thing happens to me, like on this show, if I don't record for even a week, I feel rusty. And that that's when we decided to do 365 shows. I said, I'm not going to be rusty anymore. So I totally get that. For those who don't know you tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So uh, my handle is the workplace therapist. Uh, I take, that takes lots of forms. One of my hats is I'm an executive coach. So I work with leaders, all across the world on helping them become better leaders. Uh, I work with teams. It's almost like marriage counseling, but teams to help teams perform better. Uh, and then overall, just teach and facilitate and write books to just help us be better in the workplace. So my entire passion and purpose in life is one singular thing, and that is to eliminate all uh, workplace dysfunction uh, everywhere uh, forever. So I didn't like wake up one day and say, this is what I'm going to do. Um, I sort of did, but I didn't have that as a dream early on in my life. Uh, 
uh, I was um, the youngest of three boys. I had uh, two older brothers who were both adopted. So my parents were told they couldn't have kids. And so they adopted my two older brothers. Uh, and then, uh, surprise, I showed up a little later. So they were 12 and 11 years older than me. Um, so I always tell people having older brothers that much older than you, I, I know what the inside of a dryer looks like. Um, I know it's like to have somebody say, don't ask questions, just drink it. Uh, I rode on the back of motorcycles without helmets going way faster than I probably should have. Um, that was just kind of what you did as a little kid. Uh, my, um, I, I always sit back and say, well, my childhood was okay, but to be honest, it was actually pretty dysfunctional. My, uh, oldest brother was in and out of jail, uh, or, or rehab centers. And when he was home, he would, he would steal stuff from the house and go sell it at a pawn shop. And my mom would find it later. And, you know, it's, it was just a whole big scene. So there was a lot of yelling and screaming in my house when I was growing up. Um, and then when I was, uh, 10, my, um, my older brother there, Chris, he had, um, he was in a rehab center in Florida and he had l- ran away from there. He hitch- hitchhiked back to our house. He was staying with us. Um, and one night he just decided life is too hard and he took his own life, um, and committed suicide. And that was really traumatic for my family and, and uh, traumatic for me in a way I didn't expect. So I quickly after that came down with an uncontrollable stutter. So I couldn't speak in public at all. So I, I, I would, and so, I, and that was going into middle school which I do not recommend a stutter in middle school, not the best time to have one. So every day before, and I was a skinny little kid too. So every day before school, I go in and I'd see my uh, speech therapist and I'd work on my B's and work on my P's and work on my T's because those were the letters that I would always get tripped up on. Um, So ordering a pepperoni pizza, Michael, was like my nightmare because I would never get past the first P. I would just, I just, I couldn't do it. So between my brother's death and all the kind of dysfunction he brought into my house um, and then how kids with stutters are treated in middle school, I just decided, hey, people are way too messy. I really don't want to have anything to do with them. I'm done. I'm out. So I just became a world-class wallflower. I just kept to myself and was like, I don't want to do anything to do with people because they're a messy crew. Um, and that went on all the way into college. Uh, ironically enough, uh, I majored in communications. I'm not quite sure how that happened. <laughs> and like most good communication majors, I was unemployed at graduation, wondering what am I going to do with this thing? And so uh, I ended up getting a job with a retail store. Uh, it was a small chain of family-owned retail stores, 15 stores. And they hired me as an assistant manager at one of those stores. This was my first real job out of college. I'd had some other part-time jobs to pay for you know, all the life stuff that I, I needed. But uh, this was my first real, real full-time job. And I show up on the first day of that job, and I remember it vividly. And the, my boss was the uh, son-in-law of the, of, the business, of the owner who owns the business. So her daughter marries this guy. He, he's my boss. He greets me at the door, and he says, hey, Brandon, really glad to have you here. You're going to be the assistant manager of the store. But before you get started, you got to go in the back room. And waiting for you in the back room is the current assistant manager but he doesn't know you're coming. So you go back there and you fire him and then you get his job. And that was the first, my first task on my first real day of full-time employment. Go to the back room, got to tell this guy he's no longer have a, has a job and now I've got his job. And that was how my boss rolled. He, he did everything you shouldn't do as a manager or leader. He loved surprise visits to try and catch people doing something wrong. Um, he'd come in and, and he would say, Brandon, I don't like what Susan's wearing up front. Go fire her. I had to lay off more people in that job in the first six months of that job than, than I've had to in any other time in my life. 
And that experience like woke me up and made me realize three really important things about my life. So first it made me realize, uh, man, work should not have to be this way. It should be like a source of fulfillment and meaning and purpose, not a source of anxiety and stress and pain and depression and all that other stuff. I mean, we, we can't always control the families that were dealt, but we have a lot more control over our workplaces. We can leave or we can shape it in a way that's healthy. So that was my first realization. My second realization was, if this dude who's my boss is any reflection on the current state of leadership today, we've got a problem. Like, I really want to fix that. And third, that was where my purpose was born. I said, man, I'm going to eliminate all workplace dysfunction everywhere, having no idea what I'd signed up for. So I went off and pursued a, a clinical therapy degree because back then there really wasn't certifications for executive coaching. Um, so I practiced in the uh, clinical world for, or for a number of years. And actually, uh, one of the places I worked at was one of the many facilities that my brother, Chris, had, had been at. Um, and then I went into the corporate world to just learn how corporations and kind of companies work. And then went off and um, uh, got my MBA. And when I finished with my MBA, I said, all right, time to set sail with this, with this journey. Um, and, and, uh, I had another job offer to do traditional consulting, but I didn't want to do that. So I, I just said, you know what, my ship's not perfect. There's holes in the bottom of the ship, but now is there's never a better time to set sail than now I'll, I'll figure it out. And that was in, uh, 2005. So yeah, we're, we're, we're not quite to 20 years, but I've been doing this a little while. Um, and every day is, is a new adventure and surprises me a little bit. Uh, so that's, that's the story of how I got here, Michael. That's that's amazing, man. There there's so many different places to go in that. And and thinking about the kind of the first thing that comes to mind is your your boss wanting you to fire that person makes me go, Yeah, that's a person who should never be in a leadership role because they don't know how to handle conflict and they don't know how to communicate and they don't know how to speak. And you know, I I would have to imagine this is where my brain goes you know, there was always a way to circumvent conflict in his life. And so he doesn't know how to face it. Right. And, and I think that holds true for so many people. And, and that's a big catalyst and why, you know, I even created this show four years ago was because I was looking at making meaning and assessing for myself that like, Oh, I I'm a good leader, but I'm not a great leader. And so I need to bring on people in mindset and personal development and leadership and coaching and therapy and and all of these arenas uh, and learn from them like i'll anyone who says that like they have a podcast and they're not somehow selfish is a liar so i will always <laughs> admit that this is a, a very selfish endeavor that moves me towards my goal of ending generational trauma through education and information but but there's something to be said about looking at people who are avoidant of the very thing that they know they need to do to change their life and so where I really want to start this conversation is in that arena, Brandon, because I, I believe that the true catalyst to change is by facing your reality and doing the hard, difficult, and uncomfortable things that you need to do. Yeah, totally, totally. Yes, I'm, I'm all on board. Where would you like to take it? Yeah. Tell, what are your thoughts? Well, let's go through your thoughts because here's, here's where I sit with it. I believe, so I'll give you a framework and we'll go from there. So when I, when I was 27, coming off of being 350 pounds, smoking two backs, drinking myself to sleep, right? That whole thing. I, I realized I had no confidence, none, zero, because I was unwilling to face so many of the things that I knew I needed to face. And one day it really kind of hit me. I was like, actually the way that you build confidence is through continually doing incredibly uncomfortable things consistently. 
And so in that, it's what I'm wondering is when people are faced, whether it's in the workplace or life or whatever, now having clinical experience and an MBA, so you see both sides of this world, how do we get people to face the truth of the reality of the things that they need to do to change their lives? So that's tough um, because the unknown is always scarier than the known. It's like, I, I, I'll, I'll sit here and deal with what I've got. It's a horrible situation, but boy, the, the unknown could be even worse. So I think that's a real big challenge because readiness to hear. And, and you tell that story, Michael, for you, you there was a moment where you said, I, I was ready. So I, I think the first part is people have to have a place of readiness. They've got to be in a place where they've either hit rock bottom or they're hearing it from someone that they really respect or it's delivered in just that right moment. But sometimes that's not enough. So I think I think there's two parts to this. There's there's readiness, but then there's also how do you move forward into that scary space, into that unknown. So I, I'm going to offer you kind of what I think is um, the rarest jewels in the world, but they're super cool jewels because anybody can have them. So they're kind of fully democratized. Anybody listening to this anywhere in the world can have these. And when you think about people that have done the most amazing things in the world that have changed the world, they all possess these jewels. So let me share with you kind of the, the, the three jewels and then the thing that like lights the whole thing up. So first, um, purpose. You have to have some kind of a North Star. You have a reason for why am I doing this? What's that, what's that North Star that kind of drives me forward? I think purpose is important, figuring that out for you. And that can be purpose with a big P, like, like you want to stop the generations of, of all this trauma and from continuing. That's a big P. Sometimes a purpose can be a little piece. So Victor Frankl talked about sometimes purpose can just come with, you know, uh, I'm a parent and I want to be there for my kid, right? Or, or I, I want to be the friend to people around me. So it can be little P too, but purpose is first. Second, it's um, the courage to take that first step. It's the courage to be able to step into that unknown. So almost imagine yourself in a forest, right? It's pitch black. Purpose is like that, that star that you can see that you want to move towards. You can't see much in front of you. Well, courage gives you that, that, and that's a second jewel. It gives you that, that, that drive to just take that first step. And then the third jewel is faith. And faith is what gives you the drive to take the second step and the third and the fourth. So faith kind of begins when data ends. So if we've got all three of those, we're going to be moving through that dark uh, forest in the middle of the night. We've got that purpose. We've got courage to take the first step and faith to take the second. Now, what the rarest one, the rarest element that um, I still haven't quite figured out how you get into people, because we can help people with those three, but there's something about someone's will that that sparks the whole thing. Because not everybody gets in a place of, of kind of a, a, a black hole and pulls themselves out of it. Some people just stay there and that's the end. And, and I don't know what that spark is, but there's something about will that ignites the whole thing. It's that, so when you trip on that log in the forest, will says, get back up. You, you're not defeated. I, I don't, it's a super cool thing, rare thing. I don't know how you put that in somebody, but I think that is definitely a factor in all this too. So purpose, courage, faith, and will is that kind of fire in the belly that lights the whole thing up. So, you know, so a long-winded answer to your question, but I think there's readiness and then some some of those elements can really help people transform into who we're really meant to be. Yeah, I as you were talking about tripping in the woods, I my brain because this is how I operate 
immediately went to horror movie. And I'm like, the one thing that pushes people harder than anything is the will to survive. Yeah. You know, and, and then you're running through that woods, you're tripping, you got, you know, Michael Myers behind you with the giant, you know, machete and you, you, you look behind you're like, shit, he's right there. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. What I often think to myself is you, there's something in the truth about the willingness to push yourself for survival when we live in a world that is so easy to navigate that you've got to find something that you're aligned with that feels damn near impossible so that you can have momentum towards that on a long enough timeline, which will, I'm trying to break this down in a way that I think is important. If you're willing to face the reality that life is incredibly easy and the only way that you create massive change is by actually doing incredibly different things and associating your survival with the will to accomplish it or move towards it, I should say, knowing that the accomplishment will not fulfill you, but instead will become a plateau and a marker for understanding what you're capable of. Then in turn, you now have new evidence to support that you can do anything. And yeah. I think that part of the problem, and I'd love for you to, to, to speak to this in your opinion, I think part of the problem that people have when they're stuck, right, where they're in this place where they can't take that first step, because Brandon, they're hearing us. They're like, got it. All right. Purpose, courage, faith. I'm going to play video games all day. And what I what I think about that North Star, how important do you think and, and I'm gonna use a weird word here. My mission is to end generational trauma in my lifetime. Your mission is incredibly important in leadership. Both of those things are very far fetched, right? Like oh, yeah. we really sit and we think about it. I yeah. go like, dude, the reality of me actually doing this is fucking impossible. But that ain't gonna stop me. And That's so right. How do you think people, here's where the question is. This is where it really lies. Cause like I see the markers, I go forward. I I get this idea about pushing towards something great. Do you, do you, and and again, this is just an open-ended question because I don't know. Do you think part of the reason why people stay stuck is because they're not dreaming big enough? It could be, it could be. Um, Comfort is, has got such a gravitational pull, my friend. I mean, it's comfort is just like, yeah, like, this is great. Just play video games. Like, I don't, you know, um, pushing yourself to stretch and try new things. is hard. It's hard work. And there has to be a reason why. So maybe, the, so I, I like your image. Maybe the reason why is I'm chasing after something. Or maybe the reason why is somebody's chasing after me, <laughs> you know? But there's got to be some reason to move in the forest. Uh, otherwise you're just there, you're just hanging out and hanging out is easy. There's gravitational pull to that. Yeah. I think an easy place for most everyone who's listening to this right now, easy place to start, change your workout routine, change your workout routine. If you don't already work out, go work out. Or if you're already doing a routine, join a, join a CrossFit or join a high intensity interval training class group or something, do something different and then commit to that. Because if you're like me. So I work out now probably five or six times a week. I don't like to work out. It's not, I mean, and it's at night. I'm tired. You know, that's the only time I can really work out is in in the evening. And every time I'm like, man, I could just, I could just chill out here, have a glass of wine or whatever and not, you know, but I make myself go. And then, and and then that's, that, that, that challenges me. And then I grow and I get better and I learn and I, I do things I didn't think I could do before. So while, you know, purpose and courage and faith sounds like all these big, you know, big idealistic things, it can be simply starting with make yourself uncomfortable 
by changing up your workout routine and, and see what that does for you. See how that changes you. And then you realize you can do other things and who knows what you might change after that. So um, that's, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't think that you can have mental health without physical health. And, and, and I realize like there are people who don't have the capability and the ability that many of us have to physically move our body. And so I'm not trying to like pigeonhole everyone into that, not making, it's a general, it's a generalized statement. Like I, I believe that you have to move your body physically to be mentally and emotionally health, healthy. And there's so much science and research and evidence that proves that we won't go into that today, but just something I wanted to marker. One of the things I do want to go into is I want to go back just a moment and talk about this word faith. I heard Dr. Carolyn Leaf say that the the despair of hope is the number one leading cause of death. And, and I think people just do not have faith in themselves, in society, in each other. I want to extrapolate what faith means to you, Brandon. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to go back to the, the loose definition I gave earlier. Faith begins when data ends. And so uh, that can be lots of things that can be, you've got faith in yourself. So it can be belief in yourself that I can do this. I can accomplish this as a mentor of mine shared with me years ago. Uh, he shared with me several beautiful statements, but this is one of them. When we're at our very best, we believe it. We believe this about ourselves. I'm enough in my limitedness. I'm enough. I'm not perfect. Nobody is, but I can figure this thing out. I I'm enough in my limitedness. So faith can take the form of faith in ourself. Uh, faith can take the form of more optimism, like this is going to work out. You know, I'm, I'm not going to die. Uh, the American Psychological Association talks about ways for us to build resilience, and that's one of them, is viewing things as not an insurmountable crisis, but something I can learn from and get through. More of a growth mindset. And then, of course, faith, we naturally associate it with our kind of spiritual faith and where we anchor, whether it's, you know, our spiritual practices or religious practices, um, because that's also part of the unknown and how the, the mystery of the world and, and the universe. So I think we can find faith in lots of different places, but I think it's an important component because there is so much about the world we don't know. And if we wait for the perfect information, we're not going to move forward. If we want a, an example that everyone can relate to, think about the pandemic over the last two years. We're still scratching our heads on what exactly is this COVID thing and how does this work and why do some people get it and some people don't? Um, there's so much lack of data around this, and yet we've still got to find ways to move things forward. So faith plays a lot into that. So I, I think we see faith in, in lots of ways, but that, when I think of faith, those are, those are some of the things that kind of kick around, kick around in this noggin. Yeah. And, and I just, the way that I kind of look at it is I just simply say, has, has anyone ever done the thing I'm trying to do? Like that, that becomes a marker for me because I, I believe the capability of what, you can accomplish often is markered by those who have accomplished it before you. And with freaking 8 billion people on planet earth, chances are somebody's tried to do the thing that you want to do. Now, if they haven't, there's a very high likelihood that that thing that you want to try to do is just not going to work. And, and I kind of resonate with that in these interesting ways, not as a, a way to be like, no, don't try, but instead going, ah, you know, we've been around for a very long time. We have a lot of people who've tried some shit. Maybe don't try it. Um, you know, it's <laughs> like you got the guy who went, uh, you know, wingsuit gliding for the first time. And I'm like, 
All right. You know, but you, you look at somebody and I know Roger Bannister is the, the reference point people go to about the four minute mile so often, but here's what's so interesting about him breaking the four minute mile. Everyone said it was impossible. He believed he could do it. He did it the next week. Three people broke it in one event, the four minute mile yeah. thought to be impossible. Yeah. And I think faith comes in. I'm really loving this, right? Faith comes into having the courage to find out, right? And I, I think courage, unfortunately, and I know that you will agree with this. I assume you will agree with this. I'm not in your brain. I don't know what you know. I assume that you will agree with this, that most people will find themselves stuck because of having the fear to face what they need to do. How do you how do you build courage? How do you find courage? What does courage mean? How does that play a role in your life? Like just go into courage for us for a minute. So courage is not the absence of fear, and I didn't say this. This is a fa- this is famous by Nelson Mandela said this, but there's lots of other folks have said similar things. Courage is not the absence of fear; it's moving forward in the in the face of fear, knowing it's there. So and still taking that step, and often the fear is in our head right? We're, we're, what's, what's going to happen to me here? What's this person going to do to me? Right. If I, if I ask this person for this thing, they're going to reject me. So I'm just not going to ask. Or if I try this thing, I'm going to fail and everyone's going to make fun of me. So I'm just not going to try. So, so I think it's pushing ourselves when I know it's pushing ourselves into that discomfort and doing it anyway, and looking at it as a beta test and a fun experiment and learning about ourselves and, and growing and stretching versus, uh, you know, a life or death, all or nothing kind of event. It's it's a workout in itself. It's just like lifting weights or trying to run faster. It, it it's it's stretching those muscles. So then you become more pliable, and then things become less scary. So I'll I'll, I'll give you a, a great example. I um because I also want to be clear. Like while there's some things I feel like I'm pretty courageous about, there's a lot of stuff I could do way better at. Like I am by no means uh, 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 perfect at this. In fact, I'm less than perfect at this. So I'll give you a great example. I don't like to ask for stuff if I, if I don't think I'm going to get it. Like I don't like sales processes. I don't like walking up to somebody and say, well, you know, can you give this to me? Because I don't like that feeling of rejection. I think I got enough of that growing up. I really don't want any more taste of that. So I'm taking my youngest kiddo, Aaron. He's 15. We, we, we go to Disney World um, this spring. And I like to do just kind of one-on-one trips with my kids. It's just fun. Uh, and Aaron doesn't have that fear. He's, 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 he's a bold kid. He's a theater kid. He's, he's got no problems. So one of the things he wanted to do was this build your lightsaber experience. It's in the Star Wars land and uh, at least in Hollywood studios in, 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 in uh, at least Florida. And you try and book that thing. And it's like 90 days out. It's already booked out for 90 days. So I'm like, Aaron, bud, we tried. It's like it's booked. There's, they've got no availability. He's like, what, what's it hurt to just go ask? So we go ask them and they said, well, well, here, we'll put you on a wait list. And if, you know, if somebody you're fourth or fifth on the wait list, but if somebody cancels or enough people cancel, we'll text you. I said, okay, what's it hurt? Puts us on the wait list. 
We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive. It's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. I kid you not 45 minutes later, I get a text and they say your spot's available. I would not. And we got to do this awesome experience. And I was just committed that, no, we, it, it can't happen for us. He didn't have that fear or that issue. So, and so now, even when I'm in situations like that, I'm like, what, what would Aaron do? <laughs> I want to channel my 15 year old. He's a lot more courageous. <laughs> so I, I think, I think there's so much of it is in our head and it's just, it's finding people that you see do it well and, and challenge yourself in even in small ways like that, just to stretch a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think it, I know it's all in our head, you know, even in the the midst right now, you know, moving my, my body is where I challenge myself the most because I, I feel like I've, I've really wrapped my head around business and, you know, being able to podcast and, you know, things like that, but it's the physical movement of recognizing, you know, it was, it was David Goggins said, you know, he believes that people quit at 40% of what they're capable of. And and that sat with me and it felt uncomfortable to hear that because physical movement for me has always been my limiting belief. And people will hear this. And if you followed me on social long enough, you know that I've done CrossFit for years. I've had six pack, like I've been physically fit at times in my life, but I've never actually, this, this is what dawned on me, Brandon. I've never actually really pushed myself despite that. And I was like, well, what's something really fucking hard I could do? Oh, I know. I'll run a marathon. And looking at that and saying, okay, cool. Let's find out what 40% is. I don't have the answer yet because it hasn't happened. It's on its way. But even in the day to day, you know, I, I think what's fascinating about the the growth and the willingness to find who you are to have the courage to do that comes in an iterative process. And what I mean by that, I'll give you a perfect example. So I start training for this damn thing. The goal is not to accomplish the marathon. The goal is to put myself in a position to participate. That's it. That's the goal. That's the mission. When they, I know who I am as a person. When they hand me that medal, my brain is immediately going to go, okay, great, next. Right? That's just who I am. Yeah. But it is, the, it is the journey that I align myself with that builds my character, my confidence, and who I am. And I notice something really interesting. Day one, day one, could not finish three quarters of a mile without stopping. Exhausted. Just like, oh my God, just sucking wind. And it's where, like, I've done CrossFit for years. I've done Muay Thai for years. I'm, a, I'm fit, air quotes, right? <laughs> and then you start doing this activity, something uncomfortable, something unknown, something you've never done before. You start to learn something about yourself. And then on my long run last night, 
It was four and a half miles straight, not a single break. Nice. Why? Why? It wasn't about anything other than building capacity. And I look at that as everything that we do in our lives is we build capacity to create success in our life through doing, again, incredibly uncomfortable things consistently. Dude, I don't want to run. I don't want to eat well. I don't want to wake up at 530 in the morning. I fucking hate all of those things. You said something, (laughs) and the reason I'm prefacing like this is because you said something I think really important. When, When your brother took his life, it led you to this place where you're in this massive stutter. You're you're in this place where, and then you're going into middle school, which I agree, like going into middle school in general is like the worst three years of your life. But going in it as an outsider, right, which was my scenario, I'm overweight, I'm homeless, you know, I'm the poorest kid in the whole school. You You learn how to adapt to that. But you have to find your way through it. What I would love for you to talk about is just your experience of overcoming those obstacles. And if you think it held true that you went through it in an iterative process. It's a really good question. Uh, I think it's, I think it's actually is is a continuous journey for me. So, you know, I do a lot. I've done Ted talk. I do a lot of speaking engagements. I get up there and do keynotes. I did some this week. I told you I was a little rusty. What I meant by rusty, I was nervous and I could feel myself clamping up a little bit in the beginning because I don't like to speak in front of people. I do a lot of that for a living um, and people say I'm okay at it, but I always worry like when's my stutter coming back? So I think there's a lot, it's, it's this constant pushing me myself to get better at it and get further away from that place and almost feeling like if I stop, I'm going to fall back into it. So in that way, I think it is iterative. I can't necessarily point to a moment when uh, it stopped my stutter, at least on a regular basis, but there's still times I notice like if I get really tired, I'm going to stutter. Uh, It just, just happens. It just kind of comes back. So, uh, I think it's so that's that would be my answer to it. I just I think it's just a it's a constant kind of pushing yourself to to keep yourself uncomfortable. Now, something you mentioned earlier that I want to go back to. I love that idea of 40%. Most people quit at 40%. I think we just figured out where comfort is. Comfort's at 40%. 40 yeah. I can mail it in at 40%, right? I can mail yeah. it in. So I think you know, I'm gonna go back to something you said and flip it back to you, Michael. You know, I think it's about how we keep ourselves in a constant state of discomfort. Um, one of the both stresses, but I'm, I'm happy for it in my life is that I don't have a salary. I stopped getting a salary a long time ago. So there is no mailing it in for me ever on a given day. Every day I'm on, I'm performing, whether it's with a client or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting paid to, to do what I do every day. So I kind of eat what I kill. I, I can't just mail it in. And so there's probably some level of pressure and anxiety that comes along with that feeling of needing to be pretty on it um, all the time. But it also keeps me from just getting 40%. I, I, I'm not going to pay the bills and take care of my family at 40%. So there's also this like um, situation that, you know, it, it's, there's the motivation there. And when I have had like contracts, like I part-time faculty stuff when I was teaching a little more, I actually turned down some of those because they were making me too comfortable. I was like, you know what? I don't like this feeling. You guys can just keep your money. I'll go back to just 
eating what I kill. So I, I'm going to flip it back to you. When you think about how we keep ourselves uncomfortable and how we avoid comfort, what are some things that you try and do or that you think would be really helpful for people listening to this? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think that's a, a great question for you to ask. And I'm going to ask you it as well then. For me, it's, you know, I look at my life and I sit here and I go, where am I? What do I want? What do I want to accomplish? I find myself in complacency in moments of just being uninspired, being uninspired, not motivated. Because look, I don't believe in motivation. Motivation will get you started. It's a great spark, but it's not going to get you to where you need to go. The only thing that's going to get you to where you need to go is fucking determination, dogged, like a dogged will to see it come to fruition discipline and showing up every day. And I think people hang their hat on motivation. They're like, Oh, I didn't finish this project because I'm not motivated. And I'm like, Oh, you probably actually didn't care. Right. Because to me, it's like, I'm going to show up every single day. And so in these moments in which I am just feeling like uninspired to like get it done, I force it. That's a weird thing, especially like, look, we're talking on a mental health podcast right now, and we live in a society where everyone says self-care, 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 don't force it, take it easy on yourself. Brandon, I think we take it too easy on ourselves. I think part of the reason so many people are stuck, we take it too easy on ourselves. We don't push ourselves. We don't see what we're capable of. I don't mean breaking your own spirit. I don't mean destroying yourself, but I mean putting yourself in a position to find out what you're made of. Because for many people, like I look at my life, 25 years old, like, look, outside of comfort, I do not know how you get to this 350 pounds, smoking, drinking, playing video games. There was a video game I logged like 4,000 hours on. Think about that. Almost 10,000 hours. You were almost like, you know. But, but Brandon, think about this even more so. How many people watch football all day on Sundays, Monday night, Thursday? I think they added a Wednesday now, and then they have Saturdays. Yeah. All of that time, not creating the life that you want to have. So the way that I step into discomfort, I disallow myself the simple pleasures of life that are not moving me towards my goal. And people will hear that and they'll be like, that's crazy. Why would you not enjoy life? I love my life. I love it. But I would much rather be moving towards something than stuck in a moment of nothingness. There's a 0% chance. um, There's probably even a negative chance (laughs) that playing video games all day long will ever move me towards my goals. And so I think about pushing myself and it comes from that place of the willingness to recognize that the only way you're going to have success in life is to drive towards something. Dude, I love that. I love the fact you said, I think we're too easy on ourselves. I do think I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm a mental health professional. I, I, I'm a big believer in acknowledging it and, and doing the necessary steps, but we have gone a little too far. We, we tend to give people passes when there, there's some work that needs to be done mm. um, to, to, make us, to make us healthier. You're, you're not going to get yourself out of a mental health funk by defaulting to comfort every time. There's other healthy routines that have to be put in place to get us, to get us there. So I, I don't know if I told you this, but every year I like to pick a word, like my favorite word of the year. And I'm actually take the same word I used last year is my word this year. So I'm, I'm taking it two years in a row. 
And the word is agency. I love the word agency. It's kind of everything that you just said. It's like, when I've got agency, it's like, I can do this. I can, I can take this on. I'm enough. And I'm going to flip it a little bit. I think the, the biggest culprits of taking things too easy right now, at least in the United States, are parents. They are not pushing their kiddos enough and they're rescuing too quickly. They see their, their kiddos do any kind of struggle and they jump in and they talk to the teacher for them or they throw some money at it or whatever they do. And, and when you do that, when you rescue other people in that way, you're not helping them out. What you're really signaling to them is you're not enough. There's no way you can get through life without me and my help. No surprise. We have this huge spike in anxiety amongst kiddos and we can't, you can't get anxiety meds because everybody's getting them. And if you want a therapist for anybody under 18, good luck trying to find one. They're all book solid. So I think this translates to not only how we approach uh, our own selves and challenge our own selves and, you know, lean a little bit more into discomfort, but find ways to not rescue others or in our life either. I mean, there's good things from discomfort. You know, we see somebody over there in the weight floor and they're struggling with that weight. You know, we don't go over there and take it away from them. We wait until they're really, really in trouble. And then we might, you know, take, take, the, take the bar off of them. But, you know, we, that's where you get stronger through the struggle. And that's where you got stronger. And so I think it's, it's recognizing there's power in struggle. We get stronger through struggle and, and not rescuing others when we see them struggle. And that's as a parent, let me tell you, man, that's hard because I can't tell you how many times I've heard my kiddos just wailing and crying in their room. And I know I, I've got the resources. I could fix that problem, but man, they're, they're not going to get, they're not going to get strong. And now I've got some, now the good news is I've got some really independent, strong kids. That makes it hard when you're trying to give them advice and they're like, nah, I'm not listening to you, but at least they're strong. So, uh, I just, I think there's something about that. And I love that you kind of talked about that. Yeah. And, and I, I think about, you know, growing up playing sports, you didn't get a gold medal if you got fifth place. And, and I, I think that it's, it's so detrimental to society as a whole. It, it's that old adage, right? Easy times build weak men, weak men become strong. Right. And, and I think that unfortunately we're in that cycle of life right now. And, and, and it's not to say that you shouldn't have moments of compassion and care and grace for yourself. Cause I do, I, I cleared my whole schedule the other day. I was like, I'm mentally exhausted. I'm physically exhausted. I cannot possibly be of service to people in a practical way. And I cleared the day. I don't, I don't ever clear the day unless I absolutely have to clear the day. Right. And that's like your, to your point about agency, that's agency for me looking at my life and going, what do I really need to do today? And, and often what I will come to is I will ask myself, is today the day I need to take off or am I trying to take it easy on myself? Hmm. 99% of the time, I'm just trying to take it easy on myself. Right. And I have to force myself through it. But that 1%, man, I like, I hit the wall, slept for two hours, had coached like six people the day before, did a bunch of podcasts, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, I, I literally can't. I cannot. I cannot be of effective service to anyone I need to serve. So I cleared it. And that's agency. That's making the declaration of what do you need today? Like, and keeping it real with yourself, being massively honest with yourself. And I think we lie to ourselves so much. I, I want to stay in this comfort conversation for a minute because I believe it's important. 
looking at this and and you talked about giving not giving your children the thing that you want to give them right in that moment because that's a you thing brandon that's nothing to do with your kids right right Right. so how do you because i'm feeling this i'm feeling this pain and i know what it's like that they're feeling and i don't like this feeling and i don't want them to feel that because it hurts but that's not necessarily a bad thing that it hurts a little bit i i believe you use the word struggle i i often go to the word suffering right I believe to an extent that as human beings, we need to go through a a certain amount of suffering in order to create change. Like think about the definition of the word suffer. It's to experience, undergo, or feel something unpleasant. That's the definition of suffer. And, And I believe that through that suffering, you figure out who you are. Right. And, and in that, even though we want to, we want to, to like, salvage people's emotional capacity in real time. One of the things I always teach all my clients is I go, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your coach. And that means I do remove to an extent this literally to an entirety, this idea of coddling, right? doesn't mean I can't be compassionate or grace filled or empathetic with you, but it does mean that I'm not going to pat you on the back and say, Oh, it's okay. I mean, yes, it's a, it's context, right? Yes, it's okay. But what are you willing to do? What are you going? How do we get you to where you want to go? Do you do you? What are your thoughts? Do you think people are just so comfortable in the comfort that it's actually a detriment to their life? Well, the short answer to that is absolutely. Amen. Yes. I mean, everybody listening to this, even me included, probably have some elements in my life where I'm comfortable that I should challenge myself on. Um, but I think when we get to a place where we are so just mailing it in. We're just doing the routine, eating the same thing for lunch every day, going to the same routine every day. And and here's a big sign. You know you're in this place where you're just simply counting down the days till retirement. That's when you're really not, you're really not challenging yourself. You're just, you're just mailing it in, waiting until you can retire, and then you're gonna what? Sit on an island? That's not challenging yourself either. So uh, and not that I'm opposed to vacations and rest, but you, I just think we do take things too too easily and we don't challenge ourselves enough and stretch ourselves enough. Uh, and, and maybe even uh, those or those around us, we, we may even select people around us that are in the same place so we can reinforce the fact we're all just hanging out, being comfortable. So, uh, you know, it goes back to the whole adage of, you know, you are the five people you surround yourself with. So that could be something else as people are think, listening to this. Do you surround yourself with people who are like you, Michael, that are you know challenging themselves, stretching themselves, or do you just surround yourself with people that are comfortable? Uh, because we don't grow through comfort. Well we, well, we do. We grow on the couch, but we grow the wrong way. We, we, don't, we don't grow the way we're talking about here today. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can. I'm a testament to that. I promise you, you grow the wrong way. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> it's it's not fun. And, and you know, I I want. I don't. I I. My hope is that people aren't hearing this and be like, "Oh, these guys have figured it out. They're shitting on me." Because that's not what's happening here. No way. We've both been comfortable. We've both been complacent. We've both had to pull ourselves up out of the bullshit of our lives and go and create our life. And yeah. and that's the hope is that you'll be willing to like face the truth that you're lying to yourself. 
that you're that you're bullshitting yourself you know you you want to be successful but the only way you're going to find success is through the challenge of the narrative of the person that you believe you are while understanding that you're capable of being the person that you want to be if you're willing to go through the suffering or yeah. struggle yeah i had a mentor of mine years ago and he and and uh came from a clinical therapy background and when someone was you know really resistant to take on this thing this hard conversation or starting an exercise routine or starting a new job or whatever it was he'd lean across the table he'd look him in the eye and he'd say i promise you're not going to die and i think that's a great starting place for everybody listening to this you know you're not going to die just try something new just challenge yourself and see how it changes you or changes your perspective um so i yeah i amen brother yeah, I actually I love that because you're not you're probably not gonna die. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Could you? Sure. I mean, I could die right now. Yeah, and there are some things like yeah, if you're the first person who's going to be a you know, hand glider, you know, you 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 you, you might die. But yeah. most things, most things in our life, we're not going to die. That we're talking that you and I are talking about here today. You know, we're talking about just trying new things, How doing that? things that that challenge the fear that's in your head. How much of that? not doing it and and maybe the the practicality in saying i'm probably not going to die probably comes from the autonomic response to stressors of growing up in a traumatic state in which your brain makes meaning of of your dangers and environments and say don't move towards that and then because of those experiences effectively what happens is you you actually don't even get the opportunity to start because your brain has circumvented any possibility of taking that first step because it's measuring the data of the past and going but don't you remember last time you tried something yeah like is, is there a correlation there yeah there is i think you make a really good point i think we develop these defensive self-protective defensive mechanisms um that were useful when we were seven probably not useful when we're 37 or 47. And so I'll give you a great example, just not doing a lot of detail, but my wife grew up in a pretty traumatic, uh, dramatic and traumatic household. Um, and her, her stepfather was bipolar and unmedicated and really uh, criticized her a lot. So when she's feeling really stressed out, Michael, she just takes off. She's gone. She's just gone. Like I can't find her. She, she may just leave the house and go for a walk. Won't even tell anybody where she goes. Not as helpful for me or as her husband who's trying to help her out, but I can totally see where that came from. She, she, her defense mechanism was disappear. Just get to a place where he can't see you and then he can't go after you. So I think when we, particularly from traumatic households and traumatic life experiences, you've developed some self-protective things that were helpful when you were seven, but not going to serve you well now. So how do you recognize those? And when you see yourself doing it, you know, change that script. Uh, I think that's an important, important perspective for everyone who have, has had something in their life. And by the way, that's probably pretty much everybody. Yeah. Everybody's had some version of trauma in their life. Some trauma is bigger than other trauma or different than other trauma. But trauma is trauma, you know. And it, I think Victor Frankl had a saying that, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but it was something like depression and trauma. And it, it's like a gas it fills whatever void you have. So even like a, a small trauma, it's still going to fill that up just like a big trauma will. So it's, you know, everyone's, everyone's got their thing, acknowledging it and then figuring out a way to do it differently.
Yeah. I love what you said about acknowledging it because that's a, that's the truth of it. The the more that I hid, and I, I think you would agree, you've probably seen this in patience as well. The, the more that I hid from the truth, the more that it consumed my life. Again, that filling of the void. And mm. my hope is that people will go through this process of having a purpose aligned and I want to heal having the courage to do it and finding the faith to follow through because like ultimately I can tell you right now it's I love and I've been in alignment with those three words for a very long time and they've they've held very very well in my life Brandon my friend this conversation has been absolutely incredible before I ask you my last question can you tell everyone where they can find you simple place to find me is just google the workplace therapist uh, I'm the only one so you'll find me really easily. So the workplace therapist and that that site has got uh, links to uh, blog posts I've written over the years, uh, my my podcast, the workplace therapist show, um, and, and a whole host of helpful free resources for folks. And then they can also purchase a copy of my most recent book, uh, The Hot Sauce Principle: How to Live and Lead in a World Where Everything Is Urgent All the Time, which I'm sure we can all relate to. So that's best place to go: the workplace therapist. Brilliant. And of course, we'll put all the links in the show notes. Brandon, my friend, my last question, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? First thing that comes to mind for me, unbroken is forward momentum. You're still moving. You're still moving forward. And I think it all comes back to those three jewels. We've got, we've got those in our pocket. We've got a sense of purpose in our pocket. We've got some courage in our pocket. We've got faith in our pocket. And we've got this steely will that tells us to get back up. It's kind of like a Rocky movie. You fall down, you get back up. You know, it's, it tells us to get back up and, and keep moving. If you've got those, nothing's going to break you. Brilliantly said, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see you. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that, Unbroken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, 
emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.